0: Jesus led them to a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Please be seated. Well, friends, Ash Wednesday approaches in only a few days' time. Lent, as I'm sure we all know, is a season of penitence and devotion as we follow Christ into the wilderness. And it is also a preparation for the joy which is to come at Easter time. The liturgical calendar helps us to focus on specific aspects of the Christian life and the Christian story. To those of us who are perhaps newer to the liturgical calendar, this can sometimes be hard to get into because it's so very different to the way our culture marks time. Out there in the culture, time is far more homogenous. It's just like an empty container that needs to be filled. We tend to do the same things all year round. Eat the same foods, engage in the same activities because our technology and our science and so on allows us to do these things. The liturgical calendar is different. It gives a sense of texture to the year as we focus on different things at different times. Lent requires preparation as we approach it. And so today let us consider our readings and their relevance to the coming season and I particularly want to talk about the story of the transfiguration which can act for us as a type of the Lenten journey or if you like a symbol of it. So Christ led his disciples up a high mountain. We can take this as referring to the ascent of our soul's to God during the coming season. I want to point out a couple of things about this. We're told that this mountain specifically is a high mountain. It's not low, it's not medium height, it's high. And this speaks to us of challenge, perhaps even difficulty. Now we all know that life is full of challenges. Life is hard. And the same thing is true for the Christian faith. This isn't something that we're called to, which is just easy and straightforward. This is something which calls us to a certain amount of challenge. After all, we follow a man who took up his cross and was crucified and who calls us to do the same thing. It's very easy to try and water down the faith in order to appeal to people, to say, well, this is just a nice thing. This is something you can just come to and it won't require anything of you. But friends, this is not case we are called to something we are called to ascend a high mountain in the Christian life and this is no in no better place exemplified than in the season of Lent. Lent is long it's really over six weeks in real terms and that's quite a long time if we take up an unfamiliar or difficult or challenging practice during a six-week period we will really know about that. That's a long period of time that stretches before us. And this is the point. It's meant to make that kind of impression upon our minds, upon our hearts and our souls. So we could water this down. We could try and make it about something else, as it is actually quite fashionable to do with Lent nowadays. But I would suggest that we take it really seriously seriously and that we engage with it in the way that the church has traditionally engaged with it for 2,000 years, and as a result, that we reap the benefits. Fasting, almsgiving, prayer, these are the three traditional pillars of Lent, which the church calls us to engage with during this season. Now, I don't want to oversimplify, but as a general rule, if we engage in this season seriously, if we take it seriously, If we engage with it in faith and with a certain amount of focus, we will reap greater benefits. And of course, the joy when we arrive at the Easter season will be all the greater for it. So this is a high mountain, but let us embrace the challenge. It is also a mountain which we have to take account of. So if there's a mountain, it means we have to ascend. And as we ascend, of course, gravity is pulling us down. And as a result, no ascent is straightforward and easy. Recently I've watched a couple of documentary films about this extreme sport, which you may be familiar with, called free soloing. Now, when people are free soloists, it essentially means that they climb extremely high mountains and they use no safety equipment. This is quite an amazing thing because one foot out of place, one toe out of place, one finger hold missed, and it is all over, quite literally, and not just the climb. It's extremely dangerous. It's extremely taxing. So, why do they do it? Well, part of the reason is because of the buzz, the extreme buzz and joy that they find in the ascent itself. And, of course, the sense of great accomplishment and achievement when they reach the summit. Risk, challenge, exhilaration. The point I want to make here, friends, is that Lent is not just some period of time in which we can just be miserable and in which we just suffer and have terrible pain. No, not at all. As we embrace... The challenges of Lent, as we embrace the abstinence, as we embrace the discipline, we can find joy there too. We ascend the mountain. The ascent can be hard. It can involve challenge. It can involve risk in some ways. But there can also be joy as our faith deepens, as our relationship with Christ deepens, as we ascend. So we ascend. Gravity pulls us down, but we can find joy on the way up. And of course, as we ascend, our ultimate goal is the summit. Our ultimate goal is Christ. And it's important to remember this, that we're not just journeying aimlessly, but that there is an end to which we are looking. As the disciples ascended the mountain of transfiguration, they reached the summit and they saw a new vision of Christ. His face transfigured before them in light. So we too seek a new vision, a spiritual renewal in our own lives and in the church as we ascend the mountain of Lent. In our Old Testament story we read about Elisha following his master Elijah who was about to be taken up to heaven and three times Elijah discouraged him from following him and three times Elisha rejected that discouragement and persevered anyway. Why did he do it? Because he wanted to receive a double portion of the spirit of Elijah and for his reward he was given that and he had a vision of Elijah being taken up to heaven. Christ, friends, let us persevere. Let us persevere so that we may meet the summit and may see Christ there, see a new vision Of Christ transfigured before us. One of the things we need to remember as we enter into the Lenten season is that this is, as it were, a dark season. It's liturgically dark, which is why we'll be wearing purple during the season. But the story of the transfiguration reminds us that the light will come. The light will come in the end. And so this is not all doom and gloom, far from it, because there is that light which we will meet at the top of the summit. The the disciples were led up the mountain by Christ. The disciples were led up the mountain by Christ. And this is another important point. This high mountain that the disciples ascended, Christ didn't just point them up the mountain and say, well, that's the way, you can go that way, and I'll meet you at the top. Christ led them Christ went with them. He was present as they ascended. And so we see here, friends, from this, that Christ, yes, he is the summit, but Christ is also the way. Consider those disciples as they ascended that mountain. Consider the presence of Jesus, what that must have been like for them as they walked, as they climbed. Would it not be the sense of his presence, his warmth, his friendship, his love for them, the fact that they simply enjoyed being with him. Would these things have not made all the difference to them as they ascended? Of course it would. And so it can be with us as well as we ascend, as we seek that vision of Christ at the summit. Let us remember that Christ is also with us as we climb, as we walk. Christ is present with us in his love, in his friendship, in his warmth, he is with us as we journey. And I think that this can help us with the motivation of our hearts. When we come to a, a season like Lent, we can so often feel burdened. We can feel guilty. We can feel a misplaced sense of duty or obligation as we think to ourselves, well, I should do this because I'm being told to do so, because I feel like I ought to do something. Friends, how would it be if we weren't motivated by those kind of things, guilt, duty, obligation, but if we were motivated by love, love for Jesus Christ and his love for us? Put simply, we follow Christ because we want to be with him, Because we want to know him more. Not because we're trying to tick off some kind of checklist or something like that. But simply from love. Love that we would know Jesus more. And seeing Lent as an opportunity to do that. That the church encourages us to engage with. Christ led the disciples up a high mountain by themselves. It's an interesting phrase there. That phrase by themselves. Three disciples went with Jesus alone. Elisha followed Elijah by himself, though he was told to turn back. Our New Testament reading today tells us, the Apostle Paul tells us, that the gospel is veiled to unbelievers, that their minds are blinded by the God of this world. In different ways these readings speak to us of the antagonistic, sometimes hostile, certainly indifferent environment that we face around us. As Lent approaches, the world will carry on as normal. season of Lent is all about abstaining. It's all about denying ourselves certain things so that we might give to others or so that we might give greater devotion to God. And as I say, this is very different to the way the culture out there is, which is all about consumerism. It's all about rushing around from one thing to another. It's all about indulging in things so that we can find the greatest amount of enjoyment in them. And so the world will carry on in that way. And we as Christians, we're not necessarily persecuted for our faith. Nobody's going to throw us in prison or attack us or do anything like that. But there is, of course, just a sense that we are irrelevant and the world is indifferent to us. And if we do engage seriously in the practice of Lent, it may mean that we sometimes stick out a bit. It may mean that we are encouraged to break our Lenten fast or to join in in a certain way, which would mean that we would not do what we set out to do during Lent. Friends, we have to come to terms with the fact that these things may happen. We have to come to terms with the fact that the world may scorn us, the world may even make fun of us, and this can feel lonely and it can make our practices seem even pointless. This, by the way, is one of the reasons it's so important that we gather together as a church to encourage one another as we continue in our faith in general, but certainly during Lent as well. So, this is a necessary sacrifice which we sometimes have to make and which we must be prepared for. Let us encourage one another in the church and let us accept the indifference of the world and and humbly pray for it. And so as I finish, let's just think about our affections. Let's think about our hearts. What may prevent us? What may prevent us? Well, there's a very real and understandable sense in which unwillingness and fear may prevent us from taking steps to engage in Lent seriously. There's a fear of physical difficulty and psychological and emotional pain. And as I say, these things are very, very understandable. And I think almost everyone can associate themselves with, with these feelings. And we should say as well that we should take our health into account when we're doing things like fasting. It's inappropriate for people in certain physical conditions to fast. And so we have to think about these things carefully. But let me just say this. We might consider a story like the story of Daniel's fast in Babylon, if you know that story. First chapter of the book of Daniel. Daniel as a youth has been taken to Babylon and he's offered the king's meat and the king's wine, which has been sacrificed to idols. Now, Daniel doesn't want to eat this because it would be a violation of the Jewish law. And so he refuses and he just has vegetables and water for 10 days. And at the end of that 10-day fast... Daniel is seen to be more healthy than the other youths who have eaten the meat and drunk the wine. And of course the implication here is that Daniel is being blessed by God, not just spiritually for not breaking the law, but he's actually being blessed by God for abstaining, even physically. Now I'm not saying that exactly the same thing will happen to us when we abstain during Lent, but what I am saying is that we can have faith like Daniel. And faith, friends, this is what really makes the difference. This is what transforms everything. Faith, that God is involved. That God is involved. And that he will bless our abstinence. And that he will bless our devotion. And so a simple thing, simple to say, harder to do. But consider him as you prepare. And during the season, consider him and have faith. The other thing, just very briefly, that we can struggle with is a lack of desire and unwillingness. Sometimes we think to ourselves, well, I'd like to do that. And part of us really does want to do it. Part of us really wants to engage with Christ and deepen our relationship with him. But another part of us doesn't want to. We're very divided, as it were. I'd like to share with you a helpful quotation from a film I saw recently. And um, I'm not going to say which film it was, but you can tell me afterwards if you think you know. But the quotation is this, very simple. Don't think, just do. Don't think, just do. Now, what I'm not saying in saying that, and the film is not saying this either, is that we should never think in life, that we should never prepare, that we should never plan, that we should never consider things. Not at all. But I think what's meant from this is as follows. Once we have resolved to do something, once we have planned to do something, once we have prepared ourselves adequately to do something, there comes a moment, there comes a moment when we just have to go for it, when we have to, by an effort of our will, decide, yes, I am going to do that. So my suggestion to you, if you are in that situation where you feel that, well, maybe I'd like to do this, but maybe part of me is not so on board with it, is to take that part of you that desires Christ and to act on it. Resolve, plan, prepare, and then when the moment comes, don't think further. The thinking has been done. Now it is time for an act of the will. And this is in line, I think, with a biblical principle, a principle that comes to us from the Sermon on the Mount, where Christ says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. When Christ says that, of course, he's speaking about money. He's saying, where your money goes, your heart will follow. But we can broaden this out and say, where we invest ourselves, our effort, our focus, our time, our devotion, where we focus ourselves in these senses, our hearts will follow. Or put more simply, our hearts follow our actions. And sometimes our actions have to lead the way. Sometimes we simply have to decide. I want to know Christ more. I want to deepen my relationship with Jesus Christ. And therefore I'm going to do X, Y and Z. And Lent gives us this opportunity. Sometimes we just have to act. So friends, ask yourselves, how am I going to ascend to the summit this Lenten tide? What am I going to do in order that I might see the face of Jesus Christ both during the ascent and when I reach the top of the mountain? Which tools am I going to take with me and pray for the Lord to lead you there and to help you to persevere? And remember above all that Christ is the summit. He is the point of the journey and he is also the way that he is with you always. And God bless you. Amen. (laughs)